Welcome in to News and Views with Tom Lamprecht. The stories you've heard and the ones you need to hear. Cancel student debt. We'll come before the Supreme Court. We will forgive $10,000. The president cannot just cancel billions of dollars in student loan debt. There is not a consensus right now in the U.S. government about exactly how COVID started. There's been a cover-up ever since the very beginning. Another week with strong to severe weather. We need to know more. Your life, your values, your voice. This is News and Views with Tom Lamprecht on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. All right, welcome in. It is News and Views for a Tuesday. And uh, sorry to report this, but it has happened again, not just once, but twice. Minor League Baseball player and one-time Mets pitching prospect Matt Proverkaiko died suddenly of a heart attack on Friday, 31 years old. Hmm. Um he was still playing. He started out in uh, the Kentucky Wesleyan College, signed a minor league contract, been in the minors since uh, 2016, signed with the Diamondbacks. This offseason, he was playing Latin American ball, uh, killed over of a heart attack. A former American swimming champion died suddenly in the U.S. Virgin Islands at the age of 42. The U.S. Virgin Island Police Department has launched an investigation in the sudden death of Jamie Kale. Kale's boyfriend, who was not identified police, came home Tuesday night, found her dead. They have not done an autopsy yet, or at least they haven't released it if they have. But here, here's another example of two athletes. I mean, one former athlete, one a current athlete, and uh, the one we know, uh, the, the ball player, died of a heart attack. Uh, Jamie Kale, we don't know yet, but uh, again... Well, it's happening all too often that these sudden unexplained deaths take place, and uh, not good. Now, you know, the 42-year-old former swimmer, uh, you know, you start getting in your 40s, a lot of things can happen, but, you know, a current ball player. Um, 31 years old. And you, and you see so many, you know, teenagers and people in their 20s that's been, I mean, it's just been very, very common the last year, and it's just... I don't know. I'd, I'd like to. I'd like for you know the CDC and and all of our you know, twenty five thousand employees to start at the CDC start doing some research. Wouldn't you think? Yeah. Wouldn't you think? Hmm. And again, I you know I, I don't want to alarm people, but I, I, it's pretty stupid to keep your head in the sand and pretend no, nothing's going on. All is normal. It, it's not. And I don't think anything's been normal since COVID as it relates to people's uh, physical and mental health. And I think it's uh, that that's um, a lot to do with uh, just the way we reacted to it, I think. To which, by the way, Carolina Journal's got an article out today, which is sort of out of their normal uh, coverage. But it is it is troubling. They say a troubling trend for youth mental health and suicide rates emerge from a new annual report released February the 27th yesterday by the North Carolina Child Fatality Task Force, the suicide rate for youth between ages 10 to 17 reached the highest in two decades in 2021 in North Carolina, according to the report. There were 62 suicides among young people in this age range, 42% of those being among teens ages 15 to 17. In 2002, there were 2.1 suicides, for the 10 to 17 age range per 100,000 people, compared to 5.7 per 
per 100,000. In 2021, nearly triple the amount. In 2015, 16% of the high school students seriously considered attempting suicide in the last 12 months compared to 22% in 2021. For the 10 to 14 age, suicide was the second leading cause of death at 17% behind motor vehicle accidents at 25%. Uh, again, I, I would say that uh, you've got to say, okay, what changed? Uh, obviously, COVID had to be a big part of that. But, you know, along with COVID, uh, what were kids doing more of in those years? And I, I would think, and I'm, I'm I confess, strictly speculating, exactly. <laughs> they were on their phone. They were on social media. Yeah. And, uh, and by the way, uh, the, the program I do with Harry Reader in the morning, we just did a program a couple of days ago. Uh, a similar story, but the alarming thing was, I think uh, young girls, their numbers were four times worse than young men. Mm-hmm. And uh, you, you look at these uh, and you ask yourself, okay, why COVID going on social media, the pressure of social media, and uh, the confusion of social media? You know, how many how many likes do I have on Facebook? But, you know, for young girls... You know, there, there's so much pressure, and I think social media just uh, intensifies it of, do I have that look? Mm-hmm. Do, do, am I in with the right crowd? Do I have enough likes? And it's sad. And, you know, again, it, this is this is something that, you know, make sure your kids are in with solid other kids. They don't have to be in with the in crowd, but just good friends and and people that that love them and take care of them. And make sure they're in church. Make sure they're in a youth group of some sort where there's accountability. And and, uh, when these problems come up, they have somebody to talk to. It's it's alarming. Well, you know, this whole social media phenomenon started before COVID. But, you know, COVID, the whole... Issues with COVID and how we were forced to deal with it, just as far as it relates to kids, I just think it was like a, you know, throwing gas on a brush fire. Yep. I mean, yep. they were already dealing with these issues anywhere. And, and so then you have two years of just saying, okay, you can't go see your friends, you can't go to school, you can't go anywhere, everything's closed down. I mean, what the hell do you think is going to happen? Yeah. And what really ticks me off, I've just about said something I shouldn't have, but what ticks me off is, and, I, and I'm sorry if you're someone out there in public health or in public education, and I'm, I'm not saying it was everybody, but the, the powers that be on national levels anyway, on public health and education, should have seen this coming yeah. from a mental health standpoint. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and I really blame them for not screaming to the top of their lungs on the front end and say, this is terrible for kids. Because the people that did do that... The, you know, politicians on one side being Democrats and any blue states, blue state governors like the one we have in North Carolina or or all the news media except for what you would consider conservative news media, if you breathe the word about protecting kids like that, oh, you're, you're anti-science. And I'm so sick of this crap, I don't know what to do. I, well, and you know, the other thing to that end, this anti-science stuff, the, the, the sexual perversion that is being preached to the kids that if you're a girl, you can be a guy. If you're a guy, you can be a girl. Uh, everything's interchangeable, you know, egalitarian. Uh, listen, 
kids want want to be talked to in a manner that is sensible and reasonable, not that that is confusing. And listen, I don't care who you are. I mean, listen, uh, uh, my young grandchildren, you know, they'll overhear us talking. And say, and what are you talking about, pops? What do you mean a, a guy wants to be a girl? That that's crazy. I mean, it, it goes against the sensibilities, and for and for th these people to preach confusion to them over and over again, and even to encourage them that hey, if you have any questions about it, you know, you better go ahead and start talk talking to a counselor about uh, you know transitioning and all. This. I mean, it is just there is just so much confusion in this world. Now, the irony is, the liberals would say, "Oh, the suicide is because you are not." Yeah. affirming uh, th these young people and, and encouraging th to transition. Uh, it, it, is, uh, it, it is aggravating. It, 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 just as you said, it, it angers me, too, that these kids are being lied to. They're being lied to, but also the media. The, yeah. the line of the media, you know, they'll jump on this bandwagon just like down in Florida. When they label that bill... When they labeled a bill that, that said, hey, you know what? You don't need to be talking to six-year-old children about sex. Bingo. And what did they do? They label it as don't say gay, and they say it over and over and over again, thinking if they tell a lie enough, yep. it sticks. And it's just, I, I, I just can't believe, um, you know, number one, I can't believe our, our spineless elected officials that don't stand up for it, Democrats and Republicans. And number two, I mean, where are the people that are supposed to be journalists and tell the people the truth that, hey, you know what, that, that bill doesn't say that. And it's just, yeah. I mean, you can turn on you the TV think? tonight. I guarantee you can turn on the TV tonight and someone in CBS, ABC, NBC, or CNN, certainly MSNBC, will say as soon as, as soon as Ron DeSantis' name comes up, they'll say, don't say gay. Yep. And it's a yep. freaking lie. Yep. I'm sorry. Yep. No, you're right. I've been and listen, it's, it's, it's happening. <laughs> you're making up for I'm making up for <laughs> So get ready, dump button. <laughs> but it's happening right here in North Carolina. The News and Observer. Yeah, that, that group. News and Disturber. Um, they're reporting today that Wendy Jacobs fought back tears Monday night as she voted with her fellow Durham County commissioners to condemn proposed North Carolina legislation that critics say target LGBTQ children. For me, this is two of my three children. It's personal, Jacob said, and sentences clipped by emotion. I want to be able to celebrate that my daughter and her partner have become engaged and are going to be married. I don't want to have to live in fear because of their love for each other. The resolution in solidarity with Durham's LGBTQ community was unanimously passed by the Durham County Board of Commissioners. It expresses support for students' privacy and condemns two bills proposed by the Republicans in the North Carolina General Assembly in the past month, the so-called Parents' Bill of Rights, which would limit discussions around sexuality and gender in most elementary school classrooms. Good! <laughs> and another that would limit access to gender-affirming health care for transgender youth. Good. Yeah. I mean, and, and again, this, this is just as you said about the mainstream media. Here's the News and Observer. Subtly... Uh, mislabeling and misinterpreting uh, what these two bills are about. So, now, what, what did she just say? She wants to be able to celebrate her her daughter? I want to be able to celebrate my daughter and her partner who have become engaged and are going to be married, and I don't want to have to live in fear because of their love for each okay, other. Okay, so how old are these people? I'm assuming they I'm are. Assuming they're, I'm assuming they're, they're, they're going to get married. they got to be. Okay. All right. I actually agree with her. I agree with her. You can do that on your own damn time and your own dime. 
But you don't do that in schools with right. five and six and seven year old kids. And, and that's what these two bills are all about. <laughs> they're, they're, it's aimed at minors. And the News Observer and all these liberal rags that are just only good for you know wrapping fish that you're not going to eat fresh. <laughs> I mean, really. He's on a roll, folks. He's on I, a roll. I mean, that's that's the nonsense that they talk about. Yep. Uh, in other news, North Carolina State Auditor Beth Wood responded today to calls for her to resign, apologizing for her hit and run, but saying it does not define who she is. I would just say that if I could go back and change, uh, she's talking about the uh, over the holidays, um, she was coming from a party and she uh, turned her car a little too sharply and she hit another car. And somehow her car was sitting on top of the other car. <laughs> well, if you see the photo, that's pretty, pretty that's good. That's pretty much the description, yeah. yeah. Uh, I would just say that if I could go back and change my decision that night, it would be different. But all I can do is move forward and take responsibility for the accident and fix what is broken. Wood told the inside, uh, NC Insider and the News and Observer outside a committee meeting at the state legislative building, asked for a response to the calls from the North Carolina GOP for her to resign. Wood said, absolutely not. That accent does not define me, nor does it take away from the phenomenal work we've done in my administration. Wood also says she personally is covering the damages from the accident. She was at the legislature to speak about the bill regarding local government auditing. Wood is facing hit-and-run charges from the December crash that is a little, uh, and said as little uh, publicly about the incident. By the way, I will say that... Uh, the North Carolina GOP has asked for her resignation. I don't know of any uh, office holders that have asked for her resignation. Certainly Phil Berger and Tim Moore have not said anything about it. And, I, you know, I'd be honest with you, I, uh, it, it was a terrible decision. It was a bad decision. Um, she broke the law, and she's got to face those consequences. You know, um, it, it, does, it, it does that one event define her. I'll give her the benefit of the doubt and say no, it doesn't. Yeah, I've actually I've actually known Beth a long time since <clears throat> since the late eighties and that, that you know, I think she just uh had a really bad uh bad night of judgment and um whether she should resign or not, I don't know. That's something that um maybe her own party should talk to her about and you know, I, I wonder Well and, and, and have we heard the full story? That's the other thing. Yeah, question. I don't we probably will never hear the full story if there's not any more camera angles to be honest with you. <laughs> but uh I don't know. Um, I guess uh, she's done a good job, and hopefully, hopefully she can uh, turn this around and uh, finish out her term. I hope. Bill from Goldsboro's got a comment on this. Hey, Bill. Hey, Bill. Hey, um, you know I don't care whether she resigns or not, but the state has paid seven thousand dollars to fix her car. I assume that they paid to fix the other car. She needs to take responsibility and, and pay for that. Uh, and she said she said she was. She said she would okay. do that. Yeah, yeah. Now, uh, whether or not we see a picture of the check, <laughs> I'm sure we will right. hear. I'm sure we will hear from the owner of the car. Uh, now, his car is, as is, I'm sure, has been. Well, I don't know if it's been repaired yet or not. It's, it takes so long to get parts in these days. But, uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, I, yeah. She does, and and if she does that and takes that responsibility, uh, you know, that will be. A huge step in the right direction. If she didn't do that, then she does need to resign. But apparently, yeah, I hadn't heard that yet. So appreciate it. Yep. Thanks, Bill. Thanks, Thanks for listening. Bill. Thanks for the call. Uh, also in the news, um, the North Carolina Senate agreed today to legalize marijuana for medical use, casting an initial vote to make the drug available for patients under tight restrictions. Senate Bill Three that we talked of to. Uh, 
um, uh, brain dead. Thank you, Jim Perry, uh, last week about this bill. It would allow medical marijuana use statewide for people who have cancer, ALS, Parkinson's disease, epilepsy, post-traumatic stress disorder, and other ailments. Those do not include chronic. Those do not include chronic pain, and the uh, the drug would not be allowed for recreational use. I thought it did include chronic pain. Hmm. I thought it did too, but maybe maybe we hadn't seen. This is out of the News and Observer. Yeah. Uh, the bill passed a preliminary vote, 36 to 10, with broad broad bipartisan support, and would need to receive one more vote before it can be sent to the House, where it died last year after not being allowed for a vote and could face resistance again. We'll see where it goes. Uh, let's take a time out. Lots more to talk about. And uh, Lori Lightfoot, Beetlejuice. Uh, her days as uh, mayor might be coming to an end. We'll talk about that when we get back. This is your Drive at Five, an ENC with Tom Lamprecht. Welcome back to News and Views on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Welcome back in. It is February the 28th, last day of February. By the way, as we uh, take a look at the weather forecast, it has been so warm, I noticed there was pollen on my windshield. Oh, yeah. <laughs> has it ever started this early? It seems I mean, here the last day of February, mm. and pollen is already start. And, you know, looking ahead to the uh, long-term forecast, uh, it looks like we've got a lot of warm days, a couple of rainy days in there, but a lot of warm days. Um, in fact, every day, the, the coolest it's going to be is... Um, Sunday. Sunday night. Yeah. A little cool weather. But Sunday, Sunday's high will be 57. Mm-hmm. Monday's, for a week from now, uh, Monday's high will be 55. But between now and then, 60s, 70s, even an 80 on Friday. Uh, tonight, clear with a low around 46. Tomorrow, a high of 74 with mostly sunny skies. Showers come in late tomorrow night, a low around 62. Uh, 62. Uh, Thursday, showers likely mostly in the morning, a high of near 75. Chance of rain uh, Thursday morning, 60%. Thursday night, there's again a chance of showers with a low of 61. Friday, again, a chance of showers, partly sunny, a high of near 79. That would be later in the day. So, uh I'm enjoying the warm weather, but uh, get ready for the pollen. Get ready for that green stuff. All yeah, I was discussing with someone this weekend. They were talking about, yeah, we got an early spring. We're going to have an early spring. I said, yeah, we say that, and it will be 25 degrees on Easter morning. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. Or how many times have you had weather like this in March 15th? You had oh, yeah. A snowstorm. Yeah, I don't, I don't believe spring. And until we get past Easter, then I'm saying, okay, it's spring. Yeah. <laughs> and Easter, I think, is the 8th of April. It's, it's yeah. relatively late this year. Mm-hmm. I guess it's late. Um, weather brought to you by our friends at the Ironwood Golf and Country Club. As weather gets warmer, it's here, and life gets busier, you deserve time to relax and have some fun. Ironwood Golf and Country Club invites you to become a member and make new traditions with your friends and family on the course, in the pool, at the courts, or while enjoying a meal with beautiful views. Ironwood offers a variety of membership with no initiation fee required. Contact membership director Jenna Doyle. Become an Ironwood Golf and Country Club member today. Call two call two five two seven five two forty six fifty three extension two o two. Listen, when you go eat out there, it's not just great views, which they are great views, but it's also great food. You're going to enjoy it. Uh, it is election day, the primary for the mayor's race. 
Are there any Republicans running at all? <laughs> I don't think that if there are, good luck because you're going to need it. But um, Lori Lightfoot, Beetlejuice, <laughs> um, she is very well running a losing battle she up there. She would get smoked. Yeah. Um, and the reason why we found out today, the reason why she's going to get smoked is because Time Magazine, Time Magazine, when Rahm Emanuel is running for re-election, put a picture of him on the front of Time Magazine and bolstered him as a strong mayor. Lori Lightfoot has come out and told us the reason why she's not doing well is because Time Magazine has not done the same for her, and they didn't do the same for her because she's a black woman. Let me guess, a black woman. Bingo! Mm. (laughs) Oh, yes. Always a victim. That conservative publication, Time Magazine, refused to cover you because they're racist. Have you ever stopped to consider, Lori, maybe it's because you're inept? (laughs) Maybe it's because... Uh, since you've come in and you promised all kinds of, uh, you know, promises related to gun violence and all you've done is made it worse, uh, you know, the ideology that you push and spew goes against what families and hardworking individuals think is important. Um, you know, I, I, and now, listen, no doubt you will be replaced by another liberal Democrat, but, uh, darling, they didn't print a picture of you because you're a black woman. Of course, you did check many more boxes than most people did. Black woman, lesbian. Uh, yeah, looks like Beetlejuice. I mean, what more can you want? Uh, Politico senior political columnist Jonathan Martin wrote, but a sitting mayor, particularly one with as much yes clout as one in Chicago wields, should not be at risk of missing a runoff. That she is, her allies and adversaries alike say, is because she alienated so many Democrats with her mercurial style. Though she defended herself saying she learned from those mistakes, she also claimed she was judged more harshly as a black woman. You know, lady, I'm sorry, but that's probably why you won, is because you're a black woman. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, she's been been in, in some form or fashion... Chicago government, basically her whole career, a little bit of private practice and in the legal world. But, you know, she, out of the gate, I mean, she jumped right into into fire of, of, you know, the crime was having a problem in Chicago anyway. And then the whole, you know, summer of George Floyd, summer of love and, and COVID crime, she just did nothing about it and just sat back and done nothing. And I think the people of Chicago tired of, you know. They don't care who she is. I mean, well, you know what's interesting is um, this will be the first time, I don't know, maybe the first time ever that uh, unless the mayor is in prison, <laughs> that they would not have won a re-election bid. Hmm. And I think in, in Chicago there's a two-term limit. Yeah, I think that's right. And, I, I you know, in recent history, I don't know that uh, a sitting mayor... Well, here it is. Lightfoot would become the first Chicago mayor defeated in 40 years. Wow. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, and in Chicago and in, in the state of Illinois, unless it's a you know a, a like a house district or a, a or an alderman district, that's you know um, 
certain district by district, but but statewide and citywide type things. I mean, it's it's always Democrats. Yeah. I mean, they now, can't, you can get some some rural areas in yeah. Illinois, and you know, I'm sure oh, there's yeah. some conservative uh, Republicans. Oh, there definitely is down in Washington, mm-hmm. but uh, not in Chicago. No. <laughs> Breitbart's reporting a new poll published Sunday showed that 70, uh, 73% of registered voters believe Hunter Biden did something illegal or unethical in his business dealings in Ukraine and China. The poll conducted by Beacon Research and Shaw Company Research showed that 37% believe that Biden did something illegal, while 36% believe he did something unethical but not illegal. Only 18% believe he did not do anything seriously wrong. 9% said they don't know if he did anything illegal, unethical, or unusually wrong. I don't know where those people were. (laughs) Of those polled, 43% were Democrats or lean Democrat. 42% were Republican or lean Republican. 15% were independent. The latest polling shows an increase of those who believe Biden did something illegal or unethical. In late December, the figure was 70%. Um, Along with that... The conservative brief, they're unearthing new Hunter Biden laptop messages. I mean, th- this laptop is just a trove of information. It's, it, it's, why is it so slow in coming out, though? I mean, every day it's drip, 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 which I guess is, is bad news for Hunter Biden, good news for the Republicans because it's constantly in the news. Uh, but the latest unearthed text messages show how Hunter Biden and Jill, the first lady, um, are not getting along. Um, Hunter called Jill a vindictive moron. That's interesting coming from Hunter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't put a lot of stock in that from a crackhead. The text show Hunter Biden blasting his stepmom following a family argument in 2018. In one text he sent to the widow of his brother, whom Hunter Biden was having an affair with, what a screwed up family. And by the way, my Corvette's in a lock garage. Yeah, uh, lock up Hunter with it. In one text he sent to the widow of the brother he was having the affair with, uh, called Jill selfish and entitled, F my stepmom for always being as much of a selfish blankety-blank, he wrote to Haley Biden. In another text he sent to his uncle James, Hunter recalled an argument with Jill in which he blasted her with a barrage of insults. Um, he went on to say, and do you know the drunkest I've ever been is still smarter than you could ever be compared with where you are as a grammar teacher. You could not survive one class in the Ivy graduate program. So go blank yourself, Jill. Wow. Uh, class act. Yeah. Uh, and love, love is in the air in the body. Yeah. Hmm. And, uh, and by the way, now, <laughs> now what's really interesting about this, so he's saying this about Jill. Jill is Joe's wife. And Joe says Hunter is the smartest man he's ever met. (laughs) Connect the dots. Additionally, newly released emails from Hunter's laptop show he described his longtime business partner, Eric Sherwin, as a close confidant and counsel to the then Vice President Joe Biden, raising more questions about whether Joe knew or was involved in any of Hunter's shady business deals while he was Vice President. In an email thread, Sherwin asked Hunter to review a letter of recommendation he had written on behalf of Joe. Can you take a quick look at the attached? I'm going to send it to your dad via Kathy tomorrow. I wanted to make sure you think it isn't too over the top, that you think your dad would be comfortable sending it, wrote Sherwin, who served as the president of Hunter's Rosemont Seneca Partners Investment Fund, 
which has now been resolved. The New York Post reported the attached file was titled JRB CFR Rec, an apparent reference to the Council on Foreign Relations. The email posted online by the nonprofit research group Marco Polo USA also named Joe's longtime executive assistant, Kathy Chung. Hunter's response to the message of February the 22nd telling Sherwin the letter was good before suggesting that he toned down the he and my son parts. I think it's better to just focus on the fact that you have been a close confidant and counsel to him. Just say somewhere something like, as business partner with my son at Rosemont Seneca, Hunter said. Sherwin replied a few hours later saying that part was I was unsure of and was trying to make sure the reader understood that there was a real relationship that hadn't just a letter he was writing for a friend or a friend or something. Biden has repeatedly insisted he had never spoken with Hunter about the family overseas interests. So was Hunter saying tone it down because uh, his dad, Joe, wanted to continue to be a, a uh, stealth uh, partner in, in, in corruption, shall we say? Visitors' logs show that Sherwin visited the White House and other official venues 27 times when Biden served as Obama's vice president. But Joe had nothing to do with uh, the business. Late last week, now this is the big part of the story, late last week it was revealed that Sherwin is cooperating with a key House committee's investigation. Hmm, the rats are starting to flee the ship. He is cooperating with us, House Oversight and Accountability Committee Chairman James Comer of Kentucky said. Uh, his attorney and my counsel are communicating on a regular basis. Now I feel confident that we, he is going to work with us and provide us with information that we have requested, Comer said. I think that Sherwin is going to be a very valuable witness for us in this investigation. The wheels might be falling off the cart. So, so who is releasing this information drip by drip, I guess? Who is, what, is that the House Oversight Committee? Or? I'm assuming it was James hmm. Comer's committee, yeah. Um, that uh, uh, th there have been a couple of articles out the last couple of days that have been in, in a, def a bunch of different publications that uh, it looks like uh, this guy Sherwin is going to be a uh, witness for the Republicans. So I don't know if he had a, a come to Jesus moment where he thought, uh, you know, I better I better get with the program. Uh, I, I, James Comer did an interview with Just the News on this and uh, shared a lot of this. Uh, I guess the Just the News interview was just over the last 24 hours. But uh, couldn't happen to a better family. Well, the good thing is the laptop, uh, the, the computer store owner was John Paul Isaac, I think his name was. He, mm -hmm. he kept a copy of it. So Yeah, there, there is And there I is think, guess he gave one to, I think, Rudy Giuliani early on, and he gave it yes. to the FBI. Yeah. Uh, so, but he has a backup copy. Backup. Which, which, that guy is a genius. Because that was back when you still thought, well, maybe the FBI can be trusted. Not mm. so. What a sad state of affairs. Yes. Hey, we've got to take another time out. Stay with us. More news and views coming up. Get the information you need here to be informed and stay informed. Put your song in this heart of mine. Put your smile on my face every time. Cause I love a rainy night. Welcome back in. 561-8255. Give us a call. Our buddy Sutton's on the line. Hey, Sutton. Good to hear from you. Hey, Sutton. Hey, how you guys doing? We're doing great. Hope you are. 
I'm doing pretty good at touching on two things you were talking about. That Lori Lightfoot down there, the sooner she get out of there, the better. And what makes me so sick and tired as being a black man is that soon as something don't work, they messes up or things uh, don't go the way they want, it's because I'm black. Yep. Excuses. It ain't got a dumb brown thing to do with black, white, green, or yellow. Preacher. It's her, her policies and everything. And that's the Democrat playbook. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I preach, oh, yeah. That, I preach that to, to, to people. I preach that to black people. That's their playbook. They want to tell you your victims and this, that, and the third, and everybody. And, and, and listen, that, Sutton, that is a con, an incredible, important point. Because as long as you play yourself as the victim, you will never, ever, ever get ahead. Always. My kids, when I brought my kids up, I said, you know, a lot of things I'll dismiss. I'll dismiss. There are things I would dismiss if you'll do wrong with certain things and come up with the truth and everything. But don't never come to me with an excuse. Is it because of this or it because of that or they didn't like me or such, such, such. Don't never bring an excuse. Stand up, head up, do better with it. And getting on to Biden. They don't need it. Well, I guess they ain't doing too much for Hunter, but Biden, the, the president is the one that I would think allowed this thing to be, allowed them to use uh, the, the, the power of the presidency or Democrat, uh, I mean, uh, uh, vice presidency or Congress to enrich themselves. They need to get his hind part and string him up. <laughs> I hope, really? I hope the Secret Service isn't listening <laughs> in. But, you know, that's a great point. Uh, you know, people have a tendency to look at this and think that Hunter Biden was the one that instigated this. Hunter Biden mm -hmm. couldn't have instigated this unless Joe was a willing partner. Mm -hmm. And I think you're on to something, Sutton. I think Joe was the one that said, hey, here's an opportunity we can make some money, but exactly. I can't I can't do it myself. I've got to have an accomplice. Exactly. And, and hey, Hunter, you, you know, you're, you're, you're not gainfully employed. I've got a job for you. And let's set up Hunter as to be the conduit, which with we can bring in all kinds of money. Uh, he used Hunter. He also used his brother James. And it sounds exactly. like, what's his other brother's name? He's got another younger brother in there. No, it's his sister. I think he's... But he's, he's, got, yeah, a, he's got a second brother as Does well. Does he have a second brother? Yeah. Because okay. yeah. he was the one that was uh, talking about getting that medical grant uh, oh, through yeah. Hunter Biden. Well, they don't call him the Biden crime family for nothing. <laughs> no. It's the big guy, the big guy in charge of everything. That's guy. right. That's right. <laughs> okay. Oh, great, great point, Sutton. Thanks, Thanks for the call. Sutton. Appreciate it. Um, you, he's on to something there. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Um, you know, it's uh, disturbing. It's bad enough that we have partisan individuals in highly politicized office. It's bad enough that we've got... Uh, Merrick Garland as the DOJ. I mean, he's not he's not the personal attorney for Joe Biden, but you think he was. And of course, uh, Obama called Eric Holder his wingman, which mm -hmm. was totally inappropriate. I mean, my gosh, if if uh, Donald Trump had said that about uh, his attorney general, uh, yeah, they would have been screaming. But what's even more bizarre and sickening is these positions that ought to truly be nonpartisan are having individuals at the top that are highly partisan and constantly pushing the woke ideology. The interim director at the Smithsonian's new American Women's History Museum, Lisa Sasaski, uh, I guess is how you pronounce it, S-A-S-A-K-I, 
told the New York Times that there's going to be a new woman's museum, the American Woman's History Museum. And what is one of the features of the American Woman's History Museum? What do you think? <laughs> a display, a feature on men who think they're women. Okay. I, I, I was thought you were going there. Had uh, well, and, and again, equipment. And, and, women with equipment. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is. Uh, I, I, you talk about the war on women. And again, once again, women cannot have sports. Women cannot have their own museum. Women have, you know, a higher sectionality quota is for the transgender than the actual biological woman. I mean, that's one story there. Then on another issue, Biden's nominee to be the archivist of the United States, she is so partisan so left-wing, and again, you, you think of this position is why, why would why why would you even nominate someone that is a part of your your ridiculous political agenda? But Josh Hawley today was grilling this nominee. Her name is Colleen Shogan. She would be the first woman to run the National Archives and Records Administration. Faced her second hearing before the Senate Homeland Security Committee. Every Republican, the first time she came through in September, every Republican voted against her. Holly called um, today, recalled today, how he had confronted her in the last hearing about her past tweets that he considered grossly partisan and offensive. Holly said he asked Shogun to provide her public tweets to the committee since she set her Twitter account to a private after her nomination. Quote, I ask you to provide the public post that you have previously uh, been available on Twitter. We can't get to them now because you've made them private. You responded as follow, and I quote, my personal Twitter account is comprised of posts about my mystery novels, events at the White House Historical Association, Pittsburgh sports teams, travels, my dog. And Well, if that's all you have on there, then why are they private? Why can't you share them? Uh, it got even more interesting today. Here's Josh Hawley with the nominee Colleen Shogun earlier today. Cut one. And you want to be the archivist of the United States. You lied to us under oath. You lied to us in your QFRs. You just lied to me a second ago under oath. And now you're sitting here stonewalling, not answering questions about public posts that you've made. Are you a lawyer, Ms. Shogun? No, Senator. Are you familiar with the Shirtlift case at the United States Supreme Court? No, Senator, I'm not. Well, in that case, the Supreme Court held that, in fact, it constitutes viewpoint discrimination for a government entity to remove religious flags from its property when it's opened up the property to allow other people to put flags on it. Exactly the question that you were addressing in your public post on Twitter, you're giving legal advice, which you're not qualified to give, directly contrary to the United States Supreme Court. I just wonder, does this have to do with your view that you wrote about that the religious right is connected to the rise of anti-intellectualism in American politics? Explain that to me. No, Senator. Senator, that, that article was written. It was about how Republican presidents use common sense terminology to effectively communicate with Americans. Yeah, in which you said that the religious right, the rise of the religious right is part of the rise of anti-intellectualism in American politics. I just point out that's the article in which you say uh, anti-intellectual. The title is anti-intellectualism in the modern presidency, Republican populism. Dr. Shogun, 
I'm going to ask you again. Will you give to this committee your public posts on Twitter? Will you make them available to this My committee? social media is in my personal capacity. Mr. Chairman, I have to tell you, this is the most extraordinary thing I have seen in my brief time in the Senate. I have never seen a witness blatantly lie under oath like Dr. Shogun has just done to this committee, stonewalled this committee, and just repeatedly refused to answer my questions about her own posts that are in public. For these reasons, I will oppose your nomination, and I strongly, strongly urge this committee to take action on this and force this witness to own up to the fact that she is she is misleading us right now before our eyes, Mr. Chairman. Isn't it a crime to lie before Congress under oath? Uh, but, but again, this is a benign position. Mm-hmm. That it is. What, why, why is Biden so intent uh, on making sure that you've got the the progressive? left in charge of these benign positions i mean here you got something with smithsonian you've got something here with the national archives and it's just go in and do your job but they want to make sure that the the left woke ideology is in every sphere of life oh yeah that's the common denominator and if you know if you rule, read uh, things like rules for radicals i mean that will tell you that but the problem is we don't have enough people like Josh Hawley on the Republican side yeah. that are standing up to this nonsense. And, you know, try, arguing that you're a centrist now in today's politics in Washington, a centrist means you're the most dangerous person in yeah. America because yeah. you're letting this crap happen. Well, and, and that's a, that is a great point, and it also probably means you're a stealth liberal. We'll be right back. Tulane University, uh, March 13th to 17th is Sex Week. This is unbelievable. Uh, compre- uh, comprehensive, queer, inclusive, culturally specific, sex positive, sexual health events and conversations. This year's calendar is slated with events on focused on genital diversity. How do you have that? <laughs> Ethical pornography. How do you have that? Queerness and polygamy. Uh, yeah. It is New Orleans, you know. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) Hey, thanks for being with us. Uh, We'll do it again tomorrow. See you at 5. Bye-bye, everybody. All right, all right.